for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Okay, so, I mean, we've, by now most people who listen to this podcast, and someone's listening anyway, they know that occasionally we'll drop an F-bomb, occasionally we will curse. This is not a totally one complain. No, uh, no, this is a warning. This is kind of right out of the gates. You know, we try to be subtle about this, and I don't know if I'm actually going to drop the F-bomb right away, but I think, I think the, uh, what we just saw Saturday, it's, it's the Hail Mary version here, if nobody's listening anyway, can be best summed up in Coyote Eric, who I, I got to see in person. We hear from him or read from him every week with the Coyote Report, but with uh, the Hail Mary on Saturday... I will quote Coyote Eric many, many times at the tailgate site right after the game. What the F just happened? What the F just happened? Is that, is that, is that as good as that if I just say the F word? Okay. Knows your okay. I mean, he, don't need to be screaming F-bombs in the bar right now. Yeah, so. Okay. I Probably not. But that was, uh, you know, that was generally the reaction. By the way, did somebody told me, I ran into somebody at the Stapleton concert on Sunday night who said they saw someone encounter you uh, a, a Yote fan encounter you after the game and be like, hey, Zimmer, what are you going to write about now in the Jackrabbit yeah, thing? Yeah, some, guys, some guy saw me in the hall as I was walking to the press conference. It wasn't that. He just said, hey, Matt Zimmer, and laughed. Oh, okay. That was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which was I was fully expecting something like that. So, yeah, it was okay. not like a – didn't yell anything. He didn't curse. I mean, if he did, I didn't hear it. Okay. Was he a guy that kind of looks like our age, kind of skinny? Um, He was a white guy who was drunk. That's all I knew. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Coyote Eric. Oh, because okay. this lady who was uh, right there near the whole thing also said he kept yelling, what the F just happened. Now, maybe there's more than one person out of 9,000 who saw that game who was, a, and, you know, out of 7,000 Coyote fans might have kept yelling, what the F just happened, all the way out to the parking lot. But, you know, it might have been, it's a small world, you know, that we all live in. So, um, did you, were you serious when you, uh, when, you, when you approached me between the uh, state U game and the triple a championship game which was later that night when you said you maybe we should do a podcast right now no i was not (laughs) (laughs) i mean it kind of would have been fun it would have been a little bit more raw because we would have had very little time to uh digest what had just happened but um so if you can try to take go back there and try to pretend that you don't have a filter or hadn't had much time to digest i mean what uh, what were you thinking as you saw it um i saw it coming i really did um I, i thought it was a silly decision to dink around and try and do this kind of kitty Hail Mary thing where they, hey, Chris, see if you can throw the ball up to the sky and let the crowd clock run out. Like, I don't, I know Stig said later they've practiced that play, but it didn't make sense to me from the field position and a lot of other things. Um, and then despite a lot of Jax fans crying in the aftermath that, well, I didn't, like, it was clear the ball went out of bounds before the clock ran down to zero. Um, I thought they could have put two seconds back on, let alone one, not that it would have made a difference. Um, And (laughs) I tweeted it right before it happened. I said, you should have punted because now when they inevitably put one second back on the clock, which they're clearly going to do, USD is probably close enough for a Hail Mary. And I'm looking at it going, although maybe not. I don't know how far Carson Camp can throw it. You know, for him to get it to the end zone, he's going to have to get out into the open and kind of get a running start towards the line of scrimmage. Because if he's 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, then we're talking about almost a 70-yard throw, and he probably can't throw it that far. And as it turns out, he couldn't throw it that far. He still, even with the one second, unleashed a bomb, perfect spiral. I'm assuming that's as far as he can throw a football, and he still didn't get it to the end zone. But the Jacks' defense apparently wanted to film a documentary on how not to defend a Hail Mary and uh, could not have played it worse. And as the ball's in the air, you can just sort of see, like, this has a real good chance of being caught. And then the Jacks don't knock it down. Their players don't stay in the end zone. They let the Coyote guys get behind them. We couldn't obviously see from as far away as we were where the ball was or who was going to end up with it. But it was so obvious that it was bouncing around. And that's what you want. You know, Bob Nielsen said after the game, like, it was exactly what you Mm -hmm. want. You're not expecting some tall guy to just jump up and snag it. You're hoping that someone can bat it up and keep it alive and that hope it bounces around enough that someone ends up with it. 
And the, when the ball was caught, it still wasn't in the end zone. You know, the guy catches it and sort of falls into the... I actually was thinking in the moment, like, maybe the Jacks will get lucky and he will actually be tackled at the one-yard line. You know, but it obviously in the replay, that, that it was clearly a touchdown. Um, and so all I could just think was, you know, USD deserves this win and SDSU doesn't. Like, you did everything you could to lose that game at the end. Like so many people, you know, were saying, Jacks fans afterwards were saying something to the effect of, you had about five or six different things you could have done there at the end, and you chose the one that lost you the game. Almost any other choice, you probably win the game. Um, the decision not to punt it or or do something different, I think, is a, a bad decision. Um, but I actually think the just horrific way they defended the Hail Mary is even worse. If I'm a Jacks fan, I'm much more upset about how poorly they handled that play than I am about Stig's decision to not punt on fourth and two or whatever it was. Does it mean or does it seem like we've seen a lot more Hail Marys in the last five or ten years than we, we used to as kids? Because like it used to be so rare you know, that Doug Flutie thing is one of the most famous plays in football history. Boston College, 1984 at Miami. It's like I don't remember seeing one from that point for like 20 or 30 years that's famous, that people remember. And um, But it happened to Nebraska. Mike Riley's very first game in Nebraska, it was ominous. I mean, they, they were – they, they, they screwed up some chances. I know a Nebraska reference right away. Uh, the, the, yeah, that, that was not in the 1990s. It was six years ago. And, uh, you know, BYU's a good physical team. Tough start, but it's in Lincoln. And Nebraska outplays them, but they screw up a few chances, especially fourth quarter. They miss a field goal to go up by, like, 10, opens the door. Uh, with like two minutes left, and then BYU completes a Hail Mary. And that was the same thing for, for Nebraska's defense. And this is, you know, first game defensive coordinator for the Huskers, also coming over from Oregon State. What the fuck? How do you not – oh, I did it. Uh, how do you not know how to defend a Hail Mary? Haven't we seen uh, – you know, didn't we all grow up watching NFL primetime? Every time – Tom Jackson, that's exactly what I was thinking. As that thing was in the air, and uh, you, you were up top watching it. I was on the field but kind of opposite side of where the play was happening, and I filmed it. It was like just in case I could film a Hail Mary. Who knows? Um, and uh, and the ball goes up there, and, and – um, I'm I don't I'm following the ball with my camera so I don't, and once into my frame I see a whole heap of bodies and like at least half of them are red. I was like, oh, there's a chance here. And then I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking, Tom Jackson, knock it down. And you're just kind of like, how do you not? How do you not know that? I mean, it's, it must be harder. It must be hard. It must be harder than we think it is to defend that. It's not that they didn't know to knock it down. Right. I would be willing to bet every dollar I own that. Brian Bergstrom, Jimmy Rogers, every Jacks coach in the huddle before they went out for that play said the words, knock it down. It's not like the Jacks players were unaware of that. Uh, but I think, and again, without being in the huddle and knowing what was said, you know, there needed to be some more things said, apparently. Um, to the Like, the, the throw did not make it to the end zone. So if the Jacks players stayed in the end zone, you know, or someone should have stayed in the end zone. Uh, they all went. I think part of what happened was like they all went to try and knock it down, and when you know six bodies collide all of a sudden, like that's when chaos happens. Um, you've seen so many NFL teams over the years put their number one wide receiver in the game at the end to play DB. Zach Hines is six seven. Why isn't he in there back there trying to to knock the ball down, or you know any of their tall tight ends receivers or whatever? Um, and the fact that, you know, I'm not going to name the kid because he's probably feeling shitty enough as it is already, but one of the Jacks players knocked it up into the air. Mm. Like he did a Dennis Rodman sort of, hey, let me tip this up and give everyone else another chance to grab. And that's how the, the touchdown was scored. I mean, that is an absolute, you cannot do that. And is, is that the fault of the Jacks coaches that someone should have said, hey, whatever you do, don't tip it up in the air? I, I don't know. I mean, you'd think that goes without saying. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's hard to 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 assign blame to, well, you should have said this, or you should have been prepared for this. I mean, I don't think, you know, Adam Bach was in the press conference for the Jacks after the game, and we asked him, what happened? And he's like, well, obviously we knew a Hail Mary was coming. It's like, we just we just didn't make a play on the ball. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they just, like I said, I mean, I, I don't think the Jacks coaches don't, have never heard the, the whole knock it down thing, you know, and right. that the, the players didn't have the instruction there. But I think... Um, it just looked like maybe that was all they said was just, well, knock it down. You know, I, I, I hate to cast dispersions because, again, I'm not in the huddle. I don't know what, what conversations are taking place, but they just could not have executed it worse. I mean, the throw didn't make it to the end zone. Yeah.
uh, that's fair. And by the way, what, what I meant was it's not, it's not it's not just on the coaches in these situations. These kids have, all, especially defensive backs and whoever's in on there, have had to have. A, maybe practiced at a time or two, but B, maybe seen a game or two where it happens either successfully or unsuccessfully, and you know what to do. And, and again, I'm, I'm not going to let them off the hook, but I'm, I will say in that situation, they are probably all thinking knock it down as it gets near. If this gets near me, my hands are near this, I'm going to knock it down. It might be harder than we think it is to do that. It's, you know, it's a ball that flew into the stratosphere. It's like they were kind of forced to make it, like, they're all thinking knock it down, knock it down, knock it down. Well, then the ball comes in and it's five yards short of the end zone. You know, in a perfect world, you could say, okay, they should have had the presence of mind to say, oh, the ball didn't make it here. So instead of going to try and knock it down, let's stay in the end zone. And if it does get caught, we'll just tackle the guy. Uh, that, that's asking a lot to sort of mm-hmm. process all that information in, in a couple seconds. And I, I think that's probably partially what happened. But again, to see you know no one in the end zone as the, as the play is ha- happening there at the end. And again, for the one guy to tip it up in the air, I mean, just... Like I said, that I will say this, and this isn't picking on anyone. It's just a fact. People get as pissed off as they want about this. There are going to be other football teams, other coaches for the next 20 years who are going to be using this clip as what not to do. You know, when they talk about defending a Hail Mary, they're going to say, see this? This is how you screw it up royally. This is what we do not want to do. By the way, do you mm, – by the way, I've got the queso burger version of the – the chicken breast version of the queso burger here. Um – do you think that, or do you remember if there were any jacks? Because you mentioned none of them were, none of the jacks were in the end zone. So were there? Because I don't remember the play well enough. Were there any players behind the play to like make the tackle once the ball was caught to deny somebody in the end zone? I, go back and look again, but I, I think again there they were, and they came up to try and make a play on the ball, and then it got batted around, and someone from USD managed to. Yeah, I mean it. That, was, that Nebraska Mary BYU, that was the same thing. Like there were no Huskers b- behind the play, you know, or ahead of the play, whatever you want to call it, to prevent to to make the tackle just in case. And anyway, I you know, John Stiegelmeyer hasn't really done much to try and rationalize what happened there at the end. He did with the decision uh, to not punt and try to run out the clock, whatever. I, you know, I, I think any any Jackrabbit fan, player, coach at this point who tried to rationalize what happened there at the end would be dishonest. We all know they fucked it up. They yeah. fucked it up really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, and yeah, we could talk about that last play too because because <laughs> actually, and when we you know ran into each other after the game, uh, and you had gone and done all your interviews, and you know we were about to write your story. That's you, we were we were talking more about that play, the play before the play, right. that even that even made a shot at a Hail Mary possible. And um, not that I'm asking you to be Chris Collinsworth here, but you know, I'm, there's been a lot of feedback on that, like what they did, why it was the wrong thing to do, and what they should have done. Well, I don't, I don't really understand why that was their choice. I understand what they were trying to do, you know, um, run out the clock. They didn't want to give him the ball back. Um, we've seen him do it before. A couple of years in Vermillion, Chris, Taron Christian did the same thing, and he had to run like 15 seconds. I don't even remember what the circumstances were, but it was the same sort of thing where Taron had to run. He lost like 30 yards, ended up taking a knee or something. It went in the books, and I, I don't know. The thing is, you're at USD's 43-yard line. You could just go for it and give it to Pierre Strong, and no, you won't use up all eight, fourth and two or three, I think. Um, they could have just gone for it. Um, if they were insistent on running some sort of play to try and use up all the clock, um, probably the best way to do it was Chris Chris Oladokun's out of the shotgun, snap it to him, and tell him to just turn around and run backwards out of the back of the end zone. They were ahead by three. He would have had to run 60 yards, and he's got a 10-yard head start on everybody, so he could kind of zigzag a little bit and get into the end zone and dodge guys back and forth and eventually they could tackle him in the end zone the game would be over by then he would easily have used up eight seconds um now the 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 risk there is if he somehow doesn't make it to the end zone and gets tackled at the five yard line then the cows get the ball right there if he fumbles and they pick it up yeah but i mean (laughs) the likelihood of that happening is very small chris oladokin's a 24 year old senior he's pretty good head on his shoulders and oh by the way played an outstanding game um, that was another option. But you know what else? Just punt the fucking ball. 
Why are the Jacks so afraid to punt the ball in the fourth quarter with a lead? They did it against North Dakota State, and I, I understood that decision. I defended it. I, I wouldn't say I necessarily agreed with it because it, it actually gave the Bison, it brought them within a touchdown and a field goal. But with what the time that was left on the clock, I was like, I, I get it. I think this is a, a decent risk. It was still a risk. Yeah. But it was a decent risk. I made understood what they were doing. But in that situation, they're at their own one-yard line. You have a shorter snap to punt the ball. You you risk a block punt that not only could turn into a touchdown, but momentum, all that kind of stuff. In this situation, you're at their 43-yard line. You don't have to have Hunter Dustman go into his full wind-up to punt. There is something called a quick kick. You could even have Chris Oladokun do it. Have him line up at, you know, as your normal shotgun, making it look like you're going to run a play, snap the ball to him, and then he just does the quick John Elway quick kick and you know he only has to kick it basically over the the front seven and it hits the ground and bounces around for a little bit it's even if it doesn't use up all eight seconds at that point there's going to be what one two seconds left on the clock and now usd is at the 20 yard line and not the 40 so they can't try a hail mary at that point they're too far away bob nielsen said himself after the game if we'd have been five yards further back we would have had to try a hook and ladder type of thing because that would have been too far away for hail mary why why could you not are you that do you have that much lack of confidence in your special teams or your offense that you can't just get off a quick kick and punt the goddamn ball? <laughs> and also, as it turned out, the defense did screw up the Hail Mary. But, I mean, just have some faith in your players instead yeah. of having to try this goofy stuff all the time. Well, you're also risking you're, – you're calculating a possible blocked punt. I guess you're, you're also po- calculating the risk of a possible punt return for a touchdown. But if you they get – They didn't have anybody back. They didn't have anybody back. Okay. All right. Wow. Um up to that point, I'll just tell you how I felt. Uh, it felt like a, I felt like it felt like a very good. I, I don't want to say great football game had a great ending. It was a very good football team with very good teams. I don't think either of these teams are great, but it was a very good football team, very good teams. I thought both deserved to win. I thought, it, and I thought both teams until that you know seven second left play and then the hail mary did enough to lose too. Where the fan, whoever won would be like we earned that. Whoever lost would be like oh we we let a couple things slip away. The Coyotes missed a couple field goals in the first half uh, that played a major part uh, in everything that happened toward the end of the game in the fourth quarter, but. It was a very good game in the sense of it wasn't a shootout, but both teams moved the ball well. Uh, both teams had, you know, both quarterbacks played fairly well, uh, made big plays at key times. I thought the, the fourth quarter got back and forth. They both drove the ball down the field pretty well, especially in the fourth quarter, but things tightened up in the red zones. The defenses tightened up. Great drive to take the lead. Uh, Pierre Strong had been getting shut down most of the game, and he ended up getting to 100 yards on the day with his longest run of the day being 10 yards. He just did a really nice job late in the fourth quarter and the offensive line of just four or five yards a pop, keeping drives alive, moving the ball down the field. Um, Bob Nielsen said after the game, I felt like our guys deserved to win before the Hail Mary. And I don't disagree with him. They played well. You know, They answered the bell in a game where they needed to win. Having said that, um, I don't feel like if SDSU had not choked at the end that they wouldn't have deserved to win. No. Uh, I thought putting together that drive in the fourth quarter, which again was a that was a big boy drive. How you know, no uh, seventy five yards. I want to say I don't I remember for. Say- uh, I, I don't remember. I don't know. It felt like five minutes. It probably took. There was still a lot of time left when when the Coyotes got the ball back, but it was it was just they were losing. You know that was the big thing. It wasn't the, the clock so much as they needed to go on a drive to take the lead, and they did. Uh, and then you know. USD has fourth and one at the Jacks' 30-ish yard line or something, and I don't blame Bob Nielsen at all for not kicking it there because there's still two minutes left. A, Mason Lorber has already missed two field goals. B, even if he makes it, and he said it after the game, he's like, then we're just giving the Jacks the ball back with two minutes left, and they're going to be the last team to have the football. You know, So I think he did the right thing in going for it there. But give the Jacks credit. They got the stop yeah. there. It's like – and when that happened, I was like, holy shit, they're going to win this game. You know, they had been playing from behind but ever since USD erased that 10 nothing lead and just getting, frankly, outplayed. Then they go on this big drive to take the lead. They get a big stop on fourth down, and then they get the one first down they needed to essentially almost run the clock all the way out. And I'm thinking, yes, USD has played a good game here, but to say the Jacks will, will not deserve this win that they're about to get. No way. That would have been an excellent win for them on the road coming, not some, I mean, coming from behind a little bit, but just pulling it out in the fourth quarter. That would have been a great win and they should have had it. I felt the exact same way. And I, that fourth and 
was it? I don't know if it was inches or what. It felt like inches. I was pretty close to the play that USD faced, and I mean, part of me is part of me was like, well, if he doesn't. If they don't make the field goal. He's going to regret that. But you're you're right about the logic of give. You know, if they make the field goal, give the Jacks two minutes to go, and 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 USD's never going to get the ball back. Right. You're going to probably score as time expires and yeah. walk off win. Yeah. And by the way, I think there's a, the bigger picture is, you know, let's let's show state how. How much the window is closed between these two programs? They already beat them two years ago. I get that, but uh, it's kind of let, let's 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 get a yard on these guys to show we can close out a game against them. And um, so I don't you know. I, it, and it's it's weird because after they didn't get that, I had to, I, I I had a tweet ready to go. I'm sure a lot of people did, or and maybe you had your story written, but I had a tweet ready to go that you know something to the effect of. Uh, it was something about how USD is going to bang their heads because they, you know, they missed. Two, they played well, well enough to win most of the time. It's a game. I think it was. It's a game of inches. Literally, they they missed the first down by inches. They missed two field goals and they missed that play. You know, you get any one of those three, it's at least a tie. Or they and you get two of those three things and they win. I'm glad I didn't fire off that tweet because then they went on a hail mary. It's kind of like that Nebraska <laughs> BYU game. I had the tweet ready to go. Mike Riley's first game, and yeah, you know, I was I was on the fire Bo Pelini. Get get this guy cannot win games. He, you know, he loses his shit. And they, oh, what are we watching here? Got a little hockey highlights going on. I know you're going off into Never Never Land because I'm going down Husker Memory Lane on your on your precious Jackrabbit podcast. Uh, but uh, anyways, like hey, this is I was ready to tweet it. The, welcome to a team being led by an adult. Welcome to composure and calmness, and you know, knowing what to do and how to close out games and winning big Are you games. To wait till after the. I was, you know, at this point in my life, I'm 36 years old. I had done really dumb things, both in life and broadcasting. And yes, yes, I had. I did not fire it off. Okay. Anyway, uh, did you think mono e mono? It felt like the big separation between these programs for the last decade. Uh, with SDSU obviously far more advanced, getting the five-year head start on D1 and, and just getting better players, blah, 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 was the trenches that uh, you know, USD would have to use smoke and mirrors the last few years if they were going to beat SDSU and then hope for, to win the turnover battle and some lucky plays and for SDSU to play bad. Uh, but it, it felt like to me that both sides of the ball, the trenches, the lines seemed pretty even. And that's, yep. that is saying something with how well SDSU did on the both lines against North Dakota State. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear USD has closed the gap, and that shouldn't be a surprise. You know, these programs were fairly even in Division II. Uh, we've talked ad nauseum over the years about the advantages the Jacks have, not just by going first, but having this long history of success now, better facilities, all those sorts of things. USD has been working tirelessly to close that gap, and they're obviously getting closer. And, you know, there's still more work to do for them, and they, they may never close that gap entirely. They may surpass the Jacks. I don't know. Um, but I think probably, you know, I heard a few people saying things after the game was over, like, well, now it's finally a rivalry. I, you know, I felt like it was a rivalry. Mm. You know, I mean, I know the Jacks try to downplay it a little bit, and but I, I'm not of the opinion that you can't have more than one rival. Just because NDSU right now is more of your rival doesn't mean USD is not a rival at all. And USD doesn't have that rivalry with either the North Dakota schools. So it's still their rivalry game, you know, and I saw a tweet from, I think it was Billy, yeah, Billy McMacken saying like, regardless of what your feelings about USD are as a program or a school or whatever, like it's time to acknowledge they're a good program, you know, and he was talking to be fair more to fans. I don't think he was talking about players or coaches or whatever, but I think sometimes there's, there's a residual there. You know, if the fan base as a whole, if the media, whoever, is is kind of trying to say, well, this team over here is garbage and they suck or whatever, like, I, I think that impacts the players to some degree. You know, I don't care how much the coaches beat it into their head that, hey, we've got a good opponent here. You know, I, I, I don't think that SDSU, certainly their players and certainly not their fans, uh, have had enough respect for what USD has done as a program. And when they won in 2019, there was, a, I think, a little bit of a sense of, well, good for them. They finally got one. Okay. Um, but everyone fully expected them, the Jacks, to respond this year and, and take the rivalry back, whatever. They didn't. And this one was worse because of, A, how it ended. B, you know, in 2019, the Jacks did have a lot of key injuries. I know, that, I know they did today, too, but or Saturday, too. But, I mean, this was, you know... This was a statement win for USD, and the fact that it ended the way it did, and you know, there's just 
as I wrote in my story, we're never going to forget this game, ever. So if this doesn't get you to start saying, okay, maybe we need to acknowledge that this is a program that is gaining on us, uh, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Perhaps, uh, although I've, you've got to figure there might be some Jax fans, and they're welcome. I'm sure they've already tweeted at Argus Matt Z. You could tweet at John Gaskins981 because I'm the one saying this. You got to figure there's still some of them out there, even though they saw what we saw, which was a fairly evenly matched game. Both teams made some mistakes. Both teams played well enough to win. That USD went on a hail mary. So I mean, they t- it took a hail mary for them to win. So it's it's I'm not going to say asterisk, but I would think there's some Jax fans are like, yeah, it took it, no. That's no different. There were a bunch of Bison fans who were like, well, the Jacks needed a trick play to beat us. I mean. Those are both sour grapes, bullshit excuses, yeah. you know. And U- USD had the opportunity to convert that hail mary because of dumb things that the Jacks did. So you don't get to act like that doesn't well, count. USD didn't uh, almost need to convert that hail mary. Had they gotten like two more inches on that fourth and one play, they would have closed out the game. Yeah, no, that was a highly competitive, well played football game. And as we just said, both of them would have been deserving whoever had ended up winning. Now, both of us, by the way, here's another thing of the uh, of the window of the gaps getting closer when it comes to the fans, because uh, everybody. You know, you called it. You, you figured it was. You know, it's not going to be anywhere close to 50-50, and you were thinking not even 60-40, 70-30 at best. Uh, I don't, you know, la- two years ago in the Dome, it, it felt like yeah, 70-30, 60-40, and it was all on one side because the other side was being renovated. Now you got 9,100 seats there, and I can't. Well, it didn't I, look I, like a sellout. There were a lot of empty seats. Well, it was a, from what I heard was a bunch of, uh, and Matt just said, because we're using one microphone today, that, uh, it, yes, I agree, there were a lot of empty seats. What I heard was it was technically a sellout. There were, there were some companies, there were some sponsors, whatever, that, 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 that gobbled up big groups of tickets, and then people just didn't use them or show up. But uh, regardless of the people that were there, it was still a big crowd, and uh, it felt like perhaps the SDSU contingency is, uh, yeah, another one, please was uh, maybe it, it may be getting smaller and maybe that's it's that certainly has seemed like the case in the summit league tournament in recent years it, uh, it was still a big blue wave but it was more relegated to one spot in the dome as opposed to all over the place well but I would say that's more because USD fans are, are getting more behind their team understanding that they have a good team this year yeah, that's what I meant Not letting SDSU fans necessarily take over their stadium. Um, along those same lines, it'll be interesting to see what kind of crowd is in Brookings on Saturday after the Jacks just shit themselves in a game like that, and all of a sudden they're still probably going to go to the playoffs. Um, but, you know, we'll see if Jacks fans are like, hey, you guys blew another one. We're not turning out for this game. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, by the way, not that rankings matter the most. It will be, it will be wherever these teams are seated and where they go in the playoffs that will matter the most. But uh, interesting tweet from John Thayer, who's the voice of the Coyotes, who you know, noticed that in the latest Division II poll, FCS, I'm, uh, FCS poll, thank you, oh, sorry, sorry if I offended anyone, the <laughs> latest FCS poll, that uh, the Jacks are 14th and the Yotes are 17th, and he made the case of, let's see, they have the same records, um, and... Uh, SDSU should not be ahead of USD yeah. in the poll. Yeah. I, obviously, John's biased, but which is fine, it's his job, he's, he's right, but, but, but he's, he's not wrong. He doesn't, he's, yeah. Yeah. Because of the head, to, same record in head to head. Record in head to head. Yeah, I mean the 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 Jacks I'm have the. Surprised the Jacks are still ranked as highly as they are, given that they've you know lost the games that they've lost. They have two really really good wins, and I think because of those two wins, even if they do lose on Saturday to North Dakota, I still think they're going to squeak into the playoffs. Uh, I think they're going to win that game anyway and, yeah. and make it a moot point. But they're getting a lot of respect for those two wins that they have and the fact that they went to the national championship in the spring. Mm-hmm. So, do, do they look like? Uh, what are they? Do, do they look like a team that's and feel like a team that's underachieving? That should be a lot better than this, a little better than this. I think they're underachieving. I didn't think they were going to lose three games in the regular season. Uh, injuries are a part of it, um, but you know they're getting almost everybody back now they still don't have Isaiah Davis but Jesus what more do you want on offense you know and um, <laughs> I, I don't know I mean they're still you know Stig had his press conference this morning and I asked him you know did you do anything different in the aftermath of this loss at the beginning of this week like okay guys we have to flush that one and and move forward that's what you would do any week that you lose. But given that this loss was against a rival and happened the way it did and your season is sort of falling apart, or at least in danger of falling apart, did you do anything different Sunday and Monday you know, to try and help your guys turn the page? And he said, not too much. The thing I did was he said, I put together 
I would assume a video, something, uh, clips of plays from the Colorado State game and the North Dakota State game. Just to remind them, like, here's who you are or here's who you can be. Uh, and I, th- I think that's a good move on his part. Uh, you know, I often talk to coaches about are you building them up or are you knocking them down? Yeah. You know, because there are times when you need both. Um, there are times after a loss where if you feel like your team, you know, maybe got too cocky and overlooked an opponent or, you know, just weren't ready to play, you maybe knock them down a peg and say, what the hell? Yeah. You guys are better than this. You should be ashamed. That was terrible. This is on you. Get your shit together. But then there are times where you're like, we got to build you up. We got to say, hey, that's tough what we're going through. We're better than this. There's still a lot to play for. Let's all be positive. You know, let's move forward. I think this is one of those times that the Jacks need to be built up. They don't need to be reminded of all the choking they've done this year and all the games they've lost that they shouldn't have lost. They know that. This is a time where I think they need to be built up. And sounds like Stig was doing that. Um, and I'm getting away from your question a little bit, but yeah, yeah. yeah, they. I mean, you saw the Colorado State game. That team that night is probably a bowl team in the FBS. That was a good football team. You know, they are so good when they're on. And again, yeah, they they were they were fully healthy that night, and they're not now. Um, but they're they're starting to get healthier. Uh, you know, I just I, I don't want to hear any more excuses from this team. You know, you're better than this. And again, USD's a good team. That was that was a, a, a well-earned win on their part, hail mary or not. Um, but you throw in Southern Illinois, you throw in Northern Iowa. You know, Northern Iowa's probably not even going to go to the playoffs. Southern Illinois, I said after they won that game, oh, they're probably going to win the conference because they don't have to play anybody tough the rest of the way. They still managed to shit the bed, and they're going to go to the playoffs, but they're not going to win the conference. That was, and they had a twenty to nothing lead in that game. They should have lost that one either. So they're a great, great team when they want to be, but they haven't done it enough. Well, there's uh, there's the present, and then there's the future, and there's the future of both head coaches, and I want to discuss that in a moment. Where where the where the post Hail Mary State versus you, nobody's listening anyway. Podcast from the Gateway Lounge here on nobody's listening anyway. I feel like sometimes I got that ticking radio that I'm still here on Fox Sports 98. Yeah, yeah, you can't take that out of me sometimes. By the way, we are at the Gateway. Uh, Jen is here with us. Uh, how is the chicken salad? Outstanding. Outstanding, as always. Okay, yes. And uh, the burger of the month, by the way, is the queso burger here at Gateway Lounge. That would be, of course, uh, I don't know if it's a half a pound or a quarter pound burger, but it's a big burger with queso, jalapeno peppers, cheese, uh, bacon, lettuce. Uh, I got the chicken breast version of it without jalapeno because I don't eat red meat and I don't like jalapeno. But I got it for the queso. And the queso is fantastic. Like is that what you well, I, okay, wait a second. I'll, I'll rephrase this. I like red meat. A wild, another like three. Another. Whoa. Okay. Oh. Okay. You're you're saying a you're saying a gay guy who doesn't like meat is uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. You want me to explain this one? Nope. Yeah. Well, I'm going to. Uh, about three years ago, Gilbert and I just decided to stop eating red meat. Because uh, it, because you know, there's there's obviously some risks there. Nope, there's no. We, we oh, shut up. No. Oh, we're not gonna have we're not gonna have a d- debate about health. What, what risks are there? It's it's it it's it. I don't I, no, I don't want to disparage the quality of the of the red meat here at the yeah, Gateway or anywhere else. Country, yeah, I know that. I understand that, and I value that. No, I love burgers. I love steaks. Actually, this is now this is very selfish. It's this is beyond principle. It's it's just kind of selfish. Is we stopped eating red meat for a while, and then when the, the rare times when I would have a steak or a burger, and by the way, when you don't have it for a while, and then you have either of those things, and I tried to make sure I got them at good places that, that you know had good burgers and steaks. Well, a they're phenomenal because you've been denied something you love. I grew up on steaks and burgers, and uh, from Nebraska, goddammit. And uh, but it it does some horrific things to your body when your body's not used to processing it, and it for like a day or two. And so it's kind of not worth it. You you don't you don't want to go back. Worth it. Worth it. I was just gonna say <laughs> that's worth it. <laughs> so it was. It was worth it. Yeah. Anyway, so I love queso, and they put queso on the bacon chicken sandwich and it was great here at the gateway 41st and i-29 uh, it's a great place to come and watch any of these games i would assume they're going to have some version of the jackrabbits and coyotes games of if at all possible because they will always make those work and uh, and all of them every nfl sunday there's compelling games going on 
And even on games where everybody has it, Curtis Riggs and I were here watching the Rams and the Niners last night, and uh, they had the sound up. It felt like a movie theater watching a football game, and it is always awesome here. And the Queso Burger is the burger of the month. Uh, I love queso on anything, and I can attest, yeah, you, you want to try it. $12.99, the burger of the month here at the Gateway Lounge. All right. So let's, let's keep talking Stiegelmeyer since you were just speaking about him because, you know, as a guy who has his coordinators call plays and, run, and, and you know, trusts them to run their sides of the ball, he's a CEO. Uh, to me, that means you, you got to be a good, solid face of the program, be about all the right things, be a, be a kind of a parental type that, that great recruits as parents want to come play for and all that. And also be good in these moments, you know, when you, after these kind of losses and set a good tone and, and send a good message. Uh, and so these are important times to be him. It, it also is about big decisions and what happens in big moments in big games like this. And some things have not gone well. The whatever happened, who and whatever Stig allowed or didn't allow to uh, decisions to be made in that Southern Illinois game, uh, going for two in overtime or double overtime, and and, and the play that was called. Uh, we had that talk after that game, and then this one. Um, you know. It, it's it's a weird elephant in the room to wrestle with here, but is, do, you, do, you, do you feel like there's a sense? I'll just ask you about feedback you get from Jax fans, that he got them to a certain point, and he got them this close to a national title, but Saturday was a, and the, the events of those last two plays on Saturday, is there, you know, like, uh, I'll just start talking since it's clear you're afraid to, <laughs> not afraid, not, that's not Well, fair. everybody knows where I'm going here. Yeah, and we're all kind of dancing around it. Um, I'll say this. Jack's fans, just like any other fans, are highly emotional after a game like that. Um, I've covered a couple Jack's losses over the years that I shouldn't have. I should have just turned off Twitter after the game. Um, not just because people are bitching about the team or John or a player. Like people come after me, you know, like you fucking asshole. I'm like, what was I? Doing? I was just watching the game, you know. Yeah. Like, like it, it gets really ugly sometimes, and that's unfortunate, but it's understandable. People are emotional. Fans are invested. And a lot of them are drunk and emotional, and that brings out the worst in people. Yep. yep. I, I'm guilty of it myself with Huskers. So having that disclaimer out there, um, I have never been subjected to so many, it's time for Stig to go, as I did this time. And some of it came from people who are a little more level-headed, um, who I don't think were drunk, um, people who like Stig, um, but who were just kind of like, this this is it's time it's time uh, and I understand that you know that was a bad loss and like we said whether the players were in position to you know execute that fourth down play and burn all eight seconds or deny that Hail Mary or whatever you know that ultimately falls on the coach and, and John understands that and he takes responsibility for that um, but it was bad and there are three losses this year that all have people kind of going what the fuck you know do I think John should be fired? No. Um, certainly not right now. There were people like, fire him today. Like, yeah, no, that's <laughs> no. not how it works. Yeah, that's irrational. Um, but also at the end, I mean, I, I, and I'll, I should probably just go out and go ahead and say, yeah, I probably am biased because I like John, and he's been really good to me over the years, and I see him behind the scenes. I mean, I'm obviously not like in, in players' meetings or, you know, in the living room when he's talking to recruit. Oh, I don't know how often he does that anymore, but like, I do have a pretty good behind the curtain sort of view of this program and I take an exception to people who say that John is a phony or that he's you know not a good person or whatever he's as good a dude as you'll ever meet mm -hmm. and uh, I'll miss him when he's gone whether that's after this year or five years from now or whatever uh, I have no sense of when he wants to go you know a lot of people ask me in the spring season if they win this thing the national championship is he going to walk walk off into the sunset. We talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, I don't know. Um, I do think to some degree he's kind of like, I'm so fucking close, you know, and I want to keep going till I get one. So maybe if he had one in the spring, maybe he would have, I don't know. Um, but he feels pretty far away right now. That's the thing. You know, they don't look like they're going to make a run right now. Maybe they will. We just got done talking about when they play well, they're capable. Um, but I think if you're Justin Sell right now, who loves Stig as much as anyone else, I don't think Justin Sell is like anxious to pull the trigger Ooh. by any means. I will, yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I can't imagine that after a loss like that and a season like they're having right now, that Justin isn't at the very least saying, "Do I, you know, do I have to take another look at this? Do I have to consider everything?" Because the other thing is, all these people are like, "Well, you know, Stig's got to go. Stig's got to go." Okay, do you clean house entirely? 
you know? Because if, if Stig goes, who says that Jimmy Rogers or Jason Eck or anyone else wants to stick around? Are you going to just cl- – is, is are you just going to say, John's gone and I want to keep everybody else? Well, I think that would, that would be the case Why? because it's such a good program. Maybe. But if that's the case, then, then John doesn't necessarily deserve to be fired. Those are his assistants. He's the one who brought him in there. He's the one who built this, this culture and this program. Um, on the other hand, if you say, well, let's clean house and hire someone from outside the program, well, maybe that will work awesome. You know, maybe there's some hot shot out there. I don't know who's going to come in and win four national championships in the next 12 years, but maybe not. Yeah. And you can go ahead and make a Nebraska reference here. You know, like when when Tom Osborne stepped down, it was like, well, you know, Frank Solich deserves this, and he came in and didn't win a championship, but they kept winning 80 percent of their games for what five six years. People decided that wasn't good enough. They get rid of Frank Solich, and it's never been. They have never improved. Well, since you brought it up, the, the athletic director at the time, his name was Bill Byrne, he was not a native Nebraskan, and he was all about the money, and he was all about, and he was a powerful, egotistical guy who made a lot of good moves as the, during his time there for about 10 years, but he wanted Mac Brown. Mac Brown was this coach who had been at North Carolina, nobody had really heard of, but he was relatively young and up and coming, and that's a basketball school that he made a good football program, and he wanted to hire Mac Brown. That was his top choice, but the, I mean, the Board of Regents and the fan, nobody would let that happen, and most of all, Tom, Tom Osborne was so powerful at that right. time, and still is. Right. It's like Tom Osborne's picking this, and the, and the Board of Regents, I think, made sure. I talked about this with Bill Byrne. I'm not going to go into a deep story, but uh, you know, off mics in a suite somewhere years later when he was all retired yeah he wanted Mac Brown and uh, and that would have been such an unpopular choice but yet and there's 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 a mixed bag of opinions on Mac Brown's time at Texas but he instantly vaulted Texas into the national conversation and become a top five program I don't know within two years and they were that they were that way for about 10 years and they won one with Vince Young a lot of people feel he underachieved at Texas especially in big games against Oklahoma and look but where Texas has gone since Mac Brown no, no yeah. kidding when they were merely going nine and four and you can do the you know you can do the Bo Pelini to Mike Riley and Scott Frost thing for Nebraska as well and sure in in the in the 30,000 foot view, yes, be careful what you wish for. And um, I don't know if Mac Brown would have done better than Frank Solich, but when he went to Texas, I mean, actually, his first year at Texas, he came into Lincoln and ended Nebraska's 47 game win streak against a Frank Solich team. Uh, and Texas was a top five team for all the years Frank Solich was coach at Nebraska. And Nebraska started to slip away from the top 10 and being a top 10 program. The slip started under Solich, which most people don't remember. They just look at his overall record. Anyway. And I don't think anyone really thinks that if Frank Solich had been kept, that you know, he eventually would have got it turned around. Well, it's just, you know. They had gone 7-7 seven and seven, his second to last year, and he had a bunch of old Osborne assistants who were the, old. That was the beginning of yeah. the end. Can we not agree? I mean, I don't Absolutely. follow Nebraska nearly as closely as you are. Yeah. but No, that was it. But people, it's revisionist history. Because he won 80% of his overall games, they forget the 7-7 seven and seven season where they looked like shit. And it, was, it had been 35 years since Nebraska had lost like that. Downwards and yeah. was going to continue to under Frank Solich. He gets fired after a 9-3 and three season, which that's a nice record, and we died to have that again but at the time Nebraska was more nationally relevant and and nine and three losing and three losses were all blowout losses I mean it was make Kansas State Missouri I can remember like it was yesterday it made Nebraska look second tier and at the time that was unacceptable and um, so anyway when it comes to South Dakota I, I think I don't know to me this is apples and oranges with with John Stegemeyer a uh, I just, you know, Justin Selen how he operates better than I do. I don't think there's a world where he dares, unless they, unless they go six and six and make the playoffs, miss the playoffs next year, where you're gonna, you wouldn't even fire Stiegelmeyer. You would maybe nudge him, or, or John, or John would see the writing on the wall and step aside and say it's, you know. There were a few people who sent me messages Saturday and Sunday saying it's time for Stig to retire, and I think that's kind of like the hope is that. Justin will say, I have made my decision. It's time for us to go in a new direction. So retire. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think Stig would, he would have to really, really, you know, do something bad to get fired. And, and, you know, whether you want to compare him to, I don't know, name your old, you know, Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, any of these sort of guys that are kind of allowed to go out on their own terms. I do think Stig has earned that. Think of where this program was in Division II. Now, granted, Division Two was a lot more difficult then than it is today. The NCC was essentially the Missouri Valley, so it was hard to go seven and four in the NCC every year like Stig did. But you didn't get into the playoffs at seven and four like you do in the FCS. That was a slightly above-average program in Division Two. Now in FCS, they're pretty amazing, and you know they beat Colorado State this year. If you'd have told someone in 1991. 
30 years from now, you're going to watch the Jackrabbits go to Fort Collins and kick the shit out of Colorado State. I mean, that would have blown people's minds. Then you throw in the facilities, the players in the NFL, the caliber of recruits, the coaching staff, all of it. Um, the fact they had great attendance this year. I mean, that is a really healthy program. Um, but again, that obviously that kind of both goes both ways. That's a double-edged sword for John. On the one hand, he obviously had a major, major impact in building all that. On the other hand, there's a lot of fans looking at it going right now, you have everything. How come you keep losing these games? Yeah. I, and I don't, I don't know the right answer to that. By the way, what is his contract situation? When did he sign that new five-year deal? I can't remember. I'd have to look it up, and I should have. Going yeah, through. I mean, it was. I, I, I get, but it felt like it was like three years ago. I think he's. I think he's in at the very, at the very least, a third year of a five-year deal. And I remember. It felt like that contract extension was it for him. Yeah. That whether that that was kind of Justin's way of saying, win a national championship or don't, this is your window. Yeah. I and I think after a loss like t- like uh, on Saturday. Justin's probably not in the mood to hand out an under, another extension right now. You know. That's Oh, man, that's so crazy. I am not done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. Still got the salad to eat. Isn't that gay? Okay. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, well, and, and once he signed that contract, I, I, I recall it was either a, fe- a feature. You, you did a big, long feature on him at about that time. No, it was before the extension. Oh, it was before the, the extension. Was. Okay, the feature was. But uh, he, he, within the last three years, he has started to just – Use the words national championship over and over and over again. If you have a if you have a big picture conversation about him and his program, and I did with him a couple of years ago, I believe it was after the 2019 loss to NDSU, where oh you've got some news? No, I just okay. Oh, you got you. Fa- extension runs through 2023. Okay, so two more years after this, so it's the third year. Uh, so it was. So I guess it was. I'm pretty sure this was two years ago. They had lost to NDSU. And I had a, we, we had him on the shows we did every week on our show on KWSN. And uh, he, 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 just, he decided to just, in his mind, I, say, I think, screw it. I'm secure enough in my job and my legacy to say this. Our budget is like $1 million less than North Dakota State. And $1 million gets you a lot more. It gets you these plane, fly, it gets you these plane flights, and it helps in recruiting and blah, blah, blah. And it was heavily debated how much that mattered and if he was, you know. But, uh, but, but, but as much as anything, I remember him saying, I... I'm here to I, I'm here to win a national championship, and I need all the resources I can get. And that was basically a public cry to his I don't know if it's sell or people above sell uh, for more dough. And I don't know if he has it now. But and then last summer again at a Canaries game, for what it's worth, uh, he made a speech to the crowd on Jackrabbit Night, and he just said it was awesome to see all some of you in Frisco. And I want you guys to make your, you know, he said something like, make your reservations now. We're going to go win that game. We're, we are winning that game. We're winning the national title. So it's the standards he's setting for himself. And everybody, if anybody's paying attention to him saying that, which he should say it, by the way, it's the last step, uh, then he's, you know, they're not, they're not holding up to his own standards. I just think, I have a feeling whether they win the national title or not, the ending will be appropriate whenever and however it is. But it would be, I would. I just think it'd be idiotic to fire him. I think it'd be, and again, unless they like miss the playoffs and underachieve grossly next year, it would be inappropriate to even nudge him. I think he would know when it is time to go. Maybe I don't know. I I, I don't. You know, Jacks fans had such a. Uh, I don't know how to put it, but they got so upset every time Stu Whitney said Scott Nagy should be fired. And really? I don't think Scott or Stu was out of line in saying that. No. Scott had a terrible run there for a while. But also, in defense of Scott and Justin Sell and all those SDSU fans that didn't want that to happen, the patience paid off. He dug himself out of that hole, turned him into a perennial contender, and now he's making half a million bucks a year at Wright State. The Jacks are a perennial mid-major power. I mean, that, that worked out. I think we're in a similar situation here. I think if someone were to say, hey, John Stiglmeyer has done a great job. He's taken it as far as he can. It's time to give someone else a shot. That's defensible. That's not like some outrageous opinion. Um, but it comes with risks if you do that. And I think the opinion you're, you're saying is that this guy has earned the right to go out on his own terms. And he's the one who's built all this. And he's you know a, a lifelong jackrabbit who's, by the way, we haven't even mentioned this, working for a lot less money than his replacement is going to want to make. Um, and all those reasons that it's also very defensible to keep him around. So my, my hunch is that, like you said, unless they really shit the bed here, lose to North Dakota on Saturday, don't make the playoffs or get pounded in the first round, something like that. 
I don't see a, a change coming. I, I won't be shocked if it happens, I guess, if, if John just decides this isn't going to happen, it's time, whatever. But I would expect he's going to coach those last yeah. two years of his contract, and that's going to be it. Yeah. 2023 is his last yeah. year. I think he's hell-bent. I, he, I think it's been his plan. He's hell-bent on winning the national title. He's, I don't think he's going to go out. When they're when they're not playing well, he's gonna he's he's gonna get get every chance he can to win the national title. And and I'll I'll put a bow on this by saying, uh, I I'm like you. I'm a little biased. Uh, I've had nothing but good dealings with John, and he's a good guy. And I really want him to yeah. And I really want to see it end well for him. Right. And uh, does that cloud my vision? I don't think so. I think it's pretty logical to say uh, he if. <laughs> You, you give all the examples of the last four or five years where maybe they slipped on a banana peel in a big game. They were 15 seconds away from winning the national title. We would not have been. We would. Player was hurt. Yeah. They would have won the national championship if Mark Gronowski hadn't got hurt. We would not be having this conversation. He'd he'd have so much slack. Right. The collar would be so much looser. Right. Uh, even with a hail mary loss and being eight and three and underachieving a little as they are, yeah. if they are the defending national champions. All right. Meanwhile, when it comes to Bob Nielsen, this is a uh, coyote. Eric included this in his paragraph. Uh, his weekly report on USDA's reaction to this game, which we always like to get Coyote Eric's uh, views. Uh, he felt like he saw two evenly matched teams. SDSU might have a slight edge in high-end talent and depth, but the gap isn't nearly as wide as a few years ago. Nate Thomas is an absolute beast at running back, looked every bit the equal of strong. Camp is tough as nails. O and D-line are no longer liabilities. And Bob Nielsen appears to have things finally how he wants them. They have the facilities to compete, and don't have to show them off virtually, and I would expect we hear of a contract extension after the season. Interesting, and certainly not much to disagree with there. Um, yeah, Nate Thomas is a dude. They found something there. The O-line and D-line are, are, we already knew they were improved. Maybe that was evidence that they're even more improved than we thought. Um, I've always been a big Bob Nielsen fan. You know, when he was at Duluth, did amazing things there. I told any USD fan who would listen when they hired Bob, you got a good one here. And it's been a little hot and cold. You know, there have been times where I've been kind of wondering, maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe Bob's not going to get it done. Because especially when the, the Chris Strebler year, a lot of people are like, well, that was just Chris Strebler. You know, if it wasn't for him, they would have been 3-8 and eight again that year. I, I don't know. But Bob's a good dude, and he's a good coach. Um, you know, they bring in this Travis Johansson to be their DC, and I think a lot of Coyote fans – thought that he was just going to, or at least that if he didn't turn the defense around in one season, then he needed to be replaced. And there was a whole bunch of shit about get rid of Bob, get rid of Johansson, whatever. And I always thought that was really silly. Um, that All of a sudden, Travis Johansson looks like a pretty damn good coordinator. And Bob looks pretty smart for bringing him in. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think he, he signed a, an extension fairly recently, too, didn't he? Mm. I'm not exactly sure what that is. But. I think he – okay, well, now I have to look that up. I have less attention to that. I've, I've, yeah, you've paid – uh, yeah, I googled anyway, Bob Nielsen. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob should probably be, uh, you know, a little cocky right now about. Hey, remember when you guys wanted to fire me a couple years ago? Yeah, how am I doing? Well, okay. I don't think Bob Nielsen has a cocky bonus. I mean, how would that sound if he said it? Um, you guys can. Um, you can kiss my ass. You can. Um, you know. You can, uh, you know, you can fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, he's, and, you know, and by the way, those detractors that you've mentioned, I don't, I don't think it was ever valid for him to be uh, even on the ropes. But every year, but the Chris Trevler year, which was 2017, he's been four and seven or five and seven. And you know, last year, last spring was a wash. They were one and three. They missed a bunch of games. Uh, well, not so to make excuses for him, but the valley is really hard. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and think of the teams that are above them that they have to, you know, try to over, and that they're on the verge of doing this year. You know, I mean, that's that's impressive. Yeah. So it's it's a good thing they kept him, and obviously what he's done this year, you know, they're back. They're going to be back in the playoffs, and probably seven and four unless they lose to North Dakota State. Can you see them beating North Dakota State? I can. That's an incredibly interesting game. I'd almost rather cover that one than the Jacks game. I mean, it's uh, NDSU didn't look great against the Jacks two weeks ago. I think we saw what we suspected that maybe they're a little more vulnerable. I don't think USD is this juggernaut necessarily, but they're. We already knew they were good, and maybe they're even better than we thought. Uh, it's in Fargo. That's going to make it tough for the Oats. I think the Bison will win, especially because they got a lot at stake. They're still playing for a high seed. Do they have the title wrapped up? Uh, Let's see. Well, USD has two losses. They would clinch. They've already clinched at least a share. They would clinch it outright if they win. Yeah. Because yeah. right. they'd be the only team in the league with only one loss. Who'd they share it with? If they lose, they'd share it with USD and I think Missouri State. Okay. Yeah. And Missouri State. 
who beat USD. Because yeah. USD fans were incredibly compelled by the uh, Missouri State score on Saturday. Um, what about SDSU-UND? Can you see UND beating SDSU? They just beat them in the spring. Yeah. You know, and the Jack, that was another game the Jacks started great, stepped on their dicks a couple times, and next thing you knew, they fell asleep. And, ND, and UND ended up winning that game comfortably, and the Jacks should have won it. Um, I thought UN, if UND's won two in a row, so they're five and five. If they'd have lost even one of those games and were coming in this at you know three and seven, four and six, I would tell you UND's checked out. They're not even going to show up. Now they have a little bit more to play for. They have some momentum. I'd be really surprised if the Jacks did not come out and play very well and win that game at home. But you know, we've seen this Why are you at home at That was a terrible outro. There is no way to predict it. Stig can say all he wants about how they've, they've flushed it. We have a lot of you know senior leaders that know how to do it, blah, blah, blah. That all may be true. A loss like that, you never know how the kids are going to respond to something like that. Yeah. Uh, last one. Uh, we'll, we'll skip the Vikings this week. We'll talk plenty about the Vikings as we go. Uh, you know, as we go beyond the college season. But uh, you also did cover the. Did you cover both the Friday and Saturday games? Yeah. Friday, okay. Uh, your yeah. Overall thoughts on this? The two biggest classes there: the the Pier field goal win over T area, and the the Harrisburg destruction of Brandon Valley. Really impressed with Harrisburg and Brandon White. Um, I thought that was going to be a close game. Um, and they did it with their defense. You know, we always talk about Jacob Knuth this, Jacob Knuth that, going to the Gophers. He had, what, 80 passing yards they in that game? Try. Yeah, yeah. And uh, their defense completely shut him down. Gavin Ross ran for 200 yards. They're not just the Jacob Knuth show, obviously. That was a really impressive win to cap off a really impressive season. Um, and what Pierre did against T is impressive. Obviously, in the fact they overcame a 20-point deficit. Yes, third quarter. Third quarter. And won on a... 40-yard field goal that would have been good from 55. That was one of the most clutch plays I have ever seen by a high school player in my life. Yep. That kid, I already forgot his name. Peterson. Cole Peterson. Cole Peterson. Um, unbelievable. That kid should never have to buy a beer and peer the rest of his life. Um, that was awesome. But also think about what they accomplished by him making that kick. That's five championships in a row. And I know 11 AA is watered down, and I like to piss on 11 AA as much as anybody. But to win five of them in a row and win that one in that fashion – Steve Steele knows what he's doing. Yeah, and Stu and his joke was, well, it's 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 almost like T should not have won it because this is supposed to be the ESD championship in 11 AA. Uh, but I think that's as impressive as a win that Pierre has had. Uh, I don't remember all five of them because half the time I'm not paying attention because it doesn't involve a Sioux Falls team, and I cover Sioux Falls teams. But I would like to think that that's one of their most impressive wins of the five because T area is a fucking force. I mean, they are a football factory who damn near dominated 27-13 was their closest game all year against West. I mean, they are a football factory who dominated their first year in 11 AA, so that's an impressive comeback and win. Lincoln Keenholz should not have to buy a beer either because uh, he threw for like 350 yards for and ran for like 200. Their running back got hurt, so the quarterback did all the running, and there was one drive, one of their drives, where they came from 20 down where it was all Lincoln Keenholz runs, and he was making big defensive plays yeah. when T was trying to move it. And... Um, I'll say this: I feel really good for Matt Christensen at Brandon Valley because to, to get them back to the state title when they lost, when they didn't have much of a passing offense at all all year long, uh, he's responsible for the defense. And of course, Chad Garrow wasn't there; he was there occasionally, helping, dropping messages, doing all he can. Chad doesn't talk very well; he's battling brain cancer. Uh, but Matt was running the show, and to get back to the state title with all that happening, with basically having to win it with smoke and mirrors in this case to beat them in the semifinals yes. yeah. yeah credit yeah. them for that win and it was it was what they did on offense to go with a wildcat quarterback so i a tip of the cap to mike zur the offensive coordinator but in the end i'm happy for brandon white because this is a dude who uh he got the head coaching job at harrisburg when he was 24 and they were still one of the best teams i think they were still in 11b then they go to 11a then they go to 11 AA. and in every class uh in the 10 years before this they you know, they made the state title game almost every other year, five times in 11 years, lost all of them. And it's kind of like the Stiglmeyer effect. Okay, this, this guy can run a program pretty well and have a winning season every year, and granted, you get a lot of talent when you're in Harrisburg, but he can't win the big one. When are we going to, you know, when are we going to trip on the banana peel again? And they, you know, he put that to bed resoundingly. And he's such a gosh darn nice guy that he would never say, you know, I asked him on Saturday morning before the game, you know, how, how motivating is this for you? You know, you're 0 and 5, and he said the right thing, which I told. I'm sorry, I didn't believe. I'm not saying he's lying, but because because he gave the right answer. This is about making kids better men. Okay, and this is that. 
He's a he's a great guy, and so to see him, so when they win twenty seven nothing, and he gets the Gatorade bath, and he's 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 fairly composed. He his you know he's younger, his head runs a little hot, but most of the time he's a pretty pretty chill guy. Uh, to see the fist pumps and wilds, the, the the fist pumps and wilds celebrating to me. It, it, he did lose himself. It wasn't just no, – he totally lost himself. I was amazed at how much emotion he was showing. And I think that uh, – I think, yes, A, he's really happy for this bunch because they were number one from the start and they got their revenge on Brandon Valley. He's happy for that group of kids. But there, he would be not – he would be inhuman to not kind of give – not give the middle finger to all of Harrisburg, but anybody who thought, like – he would never be able to to, to also, finish. In particular, because of the Jacob Canuth thing, being a senior, there was a lot of pressure on this team this year. It was like, okay, you got to the Dome last year, didn't win it. Now you've got the greatest quarterback in state history coming back as a senior. You got to do it. Yeah. And Jacob Knuth also, as a kid, deserves a lot of credit for that. Think of kind of pressure that is for a 17-year-old. He said to me and you and a lot of other people back in August, state championship or bust. Anything less, and we're not happy. He's the kid who's going to go play for the Gophers. He's the kid who's going to go play for the Gophers, yeah. 17-year-old kid or 18, however old he is, like, that's a lot to carry on your shoulders. Yeah. And he handled it all year long, and they got it done. Yeah, I was really a, happy for him when they won that game. He handled it like it was no big thing, and, and credit to Brandon White for wrecking. It is a big thing. And, and, handle, and credit, to, uh, absolutely, and credit to Brandon White for figuring out, as the offensive play caller and head coach, we don't need to throw. We don't need Jacob Knuth to be the best Jacob Knuth. To, let's just run, keep running and get out of here. 100 yards in the yes. finals championship yeah. game. So, uh, All right. Anything else? No. All right. We're done. Thank you. Four seconds remaining in the game. Cole Peterson for the long field goal of the season and his life to win the state title. It's tied at 27 for five titles in a row for Pierre. The holder is Keenholz. Here comes the snap, left to right kick, plenty of leg, end over end, it is good! The Pier Governors come from 20 points back and win the state title, knocking off number one tee, 30 to 27 in the Dakota Dome. What a ball game! Brad, I don't know how fast a heart can pump <laughs> before it goes out, but I think <laughs> every one of these 4,000 fans in the Dakota Dome is monitoring that at this moment. Cole Peterson, a 40-yard field goal to win the state championship on the final play of the game. Stuff that legend is made of. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Uh, yes. Yeah.